episode 21 or 22 who fucking knows at this point but this is Kelanoi with Bird and Cam this is your boy Bird and it's always with me Cam it's been a long ass time how you doing my dear I'm good I'm good we are officially in the Christmas season yeah so I decked the fuck out of my apartment with paper snowflakes mm. see I'm <laughs> such a fucking scrooge oh my god I'm going crazy because it's like my first Christmas tree with Adam and I'm just buying all these fucking gifts. Sophie mm. and Doug bought us the gifts. You're going all the way out. Okay. When I slide through the STL a couple of weeks, man, I need that. I need that Jameson. I need some of that fire. Well, I don't know about Fireball. Because well, perfect because they have, they have those fucking little square box things you can get at Walmart for like 20 bucks. Word. Hmm. Hmm. Take a guy. Got you. Some bitch. All right. Well, I'm gonna hold you to that. I'll put in, guys. Lump of coal. <laughs> too. And again, guys. You know, it's been a while. Uh, been on many hiatus. Uh, but we are back, better than ever. Ready to uh lay off the smackdown on some podcast ass. Uh, again, how you been doing, my dear? I'm good. I'm good. Um, you know, just doing my shit. Do that. Do that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, I'm excited for this story because I was just at this location a couple weeks ago and it's it's fucking awesome. It's a great place. It's a great place to be if you're in Illinois and you want to be nature-y. And... Yeah. I mean, niggas don't hike, but I mean, I like saw the pictures. <laughs> like, I saw the pictures on Google and I was like, okay, this is a nice, nice little you dig. And My like, pictures on Facebook are it. I don't know, but like, <laughs> well, the colors were beautiful. I went at the perfect time. Okay, I went right when the leaves were changing colors, and let me fucking tell you, fucking fabulous. Well, I guess so. You put a fuck a lot, so like, <laughs> you're really trying to reiterate that this is a goddamn good place, pal. Ah! But uh, <laughs> yeah, and like when I like um you 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 like told me about this story and I was just like wow why haven't I heard about this and like I started reading up just to do some research and this is like uh when this 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 case happened this was a very big deal because I mean obviously murder has been going on in this country since uh forever and a day but like it's human nature animal nature to murder you yeah know? but this was like uh the vicinity the first triple murder in a public place i mean and that was publicized to the, to the extent it was i mean it made national news and probably get ahead of ourselves but this again this was a very very big deal it's so much that this was in news last week, and we're going to get to that at the end of the episode, but, like, it's a crazy, crazy, crazy fucking update. But uh, that said, before we get this show on the road, Cam, can you hit the good folks with the uh, disclaimer? Alrighty, guys. So, per usual, we're just here to do our job and report. Um, so, what we have and what we're stating are just notes that we have found um, via the internet, news articles, uh, other, you know, medical reports and such. So, um, if there's something, any discrepancies with the offender, with the victims, if anything offends you or you have something to add, just please let us know. Um, best place to hit us up is on Facebook at Illinois with Burning Cam. Um, and two, if we ever talk about something that has to do with anything medical related or um, talk about sociopaths or mind related. Again, don't take it. We're not doctors. Don't take it, you know, too personal. We're just putting in our opinions. So 
Yeah, just throwing our two cents in. Like, we who, who the fuck are us? Like, we're just podcasting. Yeah. We don't take... Yeah. I, I, as Gibby's and... Uh, I just watched it. Your show. Gibby and Ferguson, I just watched them too. They're so fabulous. <laughs> we don't take ourselves seriously, but we kind of take this shit. Yeah. Yeah. We're both fascinated by murder, and we both like talk, and we love to talk. So, like, why not put two and two together? Mm-hmm. And we're sober. Think about that. Like, especially... We'll, yeah. we'll, imagine if we're drunk doing this. Oh, which will be in a we couple weeks. Uh, <laughs> uh, we can see the apartment. It's totally different from when you were in last. Ooh. Ooh. But before we even start, and guys, I'm sorry, we're just barely just slowing and shit, but we do have a update um, that we wanted uh, to bring you guys. And um, on, an earlier po- on an earlier episode, we talked about the Robert Utter case. You can find that in the archives. But Robert Utter was a emergency uh, uh, I said truck. Emergency the ambulance driver. He was an ambulance driver from Meridosia, Illinois, who was found stabbed to death in July. Um, the authorities had quickly arrested an 18-year-old by the name of Dustin Finlaw for tampering with evidence as pertained to the case, on top with um, assaulting police officers, and it was later found that he, the case, the uh, the charges were upgraded to murder one. Now, in October twenty eighth of this year, it was determined by court records that Finlaw was mentally unfit to stand trial. Um. I don't know if his attorneys goaded him or, or coaxed him to do it or, or trained him or whatever the fuck, but um, they found out again. He was mentally unfit to stand trial until December 16. They're going to have a retest, but until then, he is held on $1 million bond. And again, um, yeah, that's kind of fucking crazy. Like. <laughs> Do remember though, um, we didn't find information or have information of connection to that yeah. case about Robert Utter potentially, maybe, possibly being on Grinder, which is a website for people who want um, homosexual encounters. I don't know, uh, bisexual encounters, homosexual encounters, mm-hmm. um, things of that nature. And so, you know, we. Us over here coming up with 106 ways. Yeah, we was trying. We, was, we thought we was like Columbo in this bitch. Like, we had, yeah. we had created a grinder account trying to nab down, okay, if we find either either his account or the accused's account, we were going to solve this motherfucking case. Like, we yeah, thought we, we was on board. And, we, and then didn't, we, we didn't find Deadly Squad. Nope, but then our theory behind that was, okay, well, I do remember trying to reach out to his um, girlfriend at the time mm-hmm. um, of the murder, and granted, our name's Killinois with Bird and Cam, so if I read that at first, I probably wouldn't take us too seriously. Um, however, I guess we thought some of the actions were a little um, odd, Um Pertaining the case again, there there's many reasons behind that, um, but we also came up with the idea of maybe he was on Grinder. His, his girlfriend found out, and he tried to end the relationship with the Grinder person. And the Grinder guy um, clearly had some separation issues and things of that nature. And needless to say, he probably shouldn't go murder someone like that. Um, so that is kind of somebody who's not mentally fit, but at the same time, it's like, is he playing the non-mental fit so he can just go to a psych ward and live easy or what? Yeah. Yeah, you're exactly right. And again, guys, you can find the rubber, Robert Utter case. Yeah, I'm, I've been up since four in the morning, so this is that time of night where I'm just going to mispronounce that shit. So you have been warned. So you can find the Robert Other case in the archives. It was episode eleven, I believe. And again, we can go more in detail about that as the uh, updates come along. So again, on the sixteenth, they're going to have another test to see if he is going to be able 
to be fit for trial. And when that does happen, uh, we will show we will bring that guys to you as soon as possible. But that said, let's get into the main event of this evening. Shall we? Ready to do the damn thing? I'm ready to do the damn thing. Alrighty, let's get in this shit. So before we get into the murders, um, we just t- we talked about it a little earlier. Um, if you guys know about Starred Rock, um, it's one of the most venerable wonders of this region. Um, as it's been the subject of several archaeological studies concerning both native and European settlements and various other archaeological sites associated with the park, which was added to the National Register of Historic Places in 1998. So Starved Rock, according to our trusted friends in Wikipedia, is a state park in the good old state of Illinois, characterized by the many canyons within its 2,630 acres. Located just southeast of the village of Utica in Deer Park Township, along the south bank of the Illinois River, the park hosts over 2 million visitors annually, the most for any Illinois state park. Yeah, that shit's always popping. Like, there is a, there's a main route going around Starved Rock where you can see the waterfalls and everything. Um, but there are other trails where you don't see very many people. Um, when we went, there was so many people. I thought Doug was going to bite someone, but he did good. Um, but before European contact, the area was actually home to Native Americans. And if you guys couldn't guess where the story's leading, mm-hmm. um, well, I mean, even before then, like before little, European contact, the area was home to Native Americans. And I think you know where this story is going to be leading to because Louis Joliet and Jacques Marquette of 66th Street and Marquette fame were the first Europeans recorded as exploring the region. And by 1683, the French had established Fort St. Louis on a large sandstone, but overlooking the river, they called La Rocher or the Rock. Surprise, surprise. White settlers pilfer land from Native Americans as water is wet, grass is green, and Nickelback songs are ammonia for the ears. So later after the That's French... bullshit. <laughs> nope. Oh, nope. Please. nope. I'm okay with Nickelback, so we'll just see right Yeah, we almost we almost we almost is ending this podcast right now. If Mike is listening well, I don't right like now, your attitude. If, if Mike if Mike is listening right now, this is just this just nearly became Kellanoid with Bird and Mike. Well, I don't give no fucks because <laughs> they got millions and they're happy with their life, and I'm right. happy with the way they are. Oh, fuck yeah. That's another topic for another day. But anyway, um, oh boy, that, that just that I thought you was gonna love that Nickelback uh, dig. But. No, I'm actually really upset about that one. I'm glad I didn't have to read that part. I was like, oh, I like <laughs> I'm the one person. I'm the one person that still shows up at Nickelback concerts. Bless your heart, child. Um, Later, after the French had moved on, according to a local legend, a group of Native Americans of the Illinois Confederation, pursued by the Ottawa and Potawatomi, fled to the battle in the late 18th century. In the legend around 1769, the Ottawa and Potawatomi besieged the battle until all the Illiniwek had starved, and the butt became known as Starved Rock. Now, uh, the resort was acquired by the state of Illinois in 1911 for a state park, which remains today. Facilities in the park were built by the, cons- the Civilian Conserv- Conservation Corps in the 1930s, which has also gained historic designation. In the area around the rock, if you smell, what the, um, well, such a wrestling fan, but the area around the rock was designated a National Historic Landmark in 1960. And on March, 19, or March 14, 1960, three middle-aged women, Mildred Linquist, Lillian Odding and Frances Murphy had driven from their upscale homes in Chicago suburbs for a four-day holiday at Starved Rock Park. The three friends who all attended Riverside Presbyterian Church had been super anxious for this outing together. Odding, who had spent the entire winter nursing her husband after a heart attack, was especially looking forward to several days of hiking, bird watching, and spending time outdoors. Mind you, Bird watching is awesome there because there's an entire like island of bald eagles. So mm-hmm. yeah, I can fun pick to up watch me too. Down. Yeah. And according to testimony, employees at the park's lodge would later remark on the arrival of the three ladies. Murphy showed up and parked her gray station wagon in the inn's parking area, and she, Linquist, and Anning unloaded their few pieces of luggage and got um, 
Acclimated. Because four day holidays with the squad at a lodge. And it's a pretty nice lodge too, so it's exciting. So the woman walked away from the lodge wearing rubber galoshes. The path was covered with a light snow and they trudged and slipped along, pausing occasionally to take photographs of one another. Eventually, they came to the dead end of St. Louis Canyon where steep, rocky walls framed a majestic frozen waterfall. The three women were only one mile from the lodge. Lillian Odding struggled with the controls of her friend's camera and snapped several color slides at the canyon. When she was finished, the group turned to leave and they walked into a horror that stunned the nation. Now, around this time, George Odding was trying to call his wife at the lodge. As she had said, she would call him when she got there. But when she didn't, Odding placed his own call. He was told by staff on duty at the desk that his wife was not in the area. The staff member said that she would call, he would call she would call in the morning, as the generalization was that the ladies went out into the town and was turning up elsewhere. And with that's that, what old ladies do. Yeah, turn up, especially them days. Like put put on a little Elvis and, and they get crunk. They they get crazy, man. They know how to get down. <laughs> And, and with that assurance, Odin went to bed, not concerned that his wife and her friends were in grave danger. And that thought process doesn't change the next morning as he called the lodge again and once more asked to speak to Lillian. The employee who answered sent off Odin by saying that the three women had been seen at breakfast and was simply out of the lodge at that time. And by not that night, a late winter storm hit the Illinois Valley. In St. Louis Canyon, the near blizzard conditions continued throughout the night, and you know how that shit is on your streets when it will happen a couple of weeks from now. So imagine at a state park where there's no really need to clear out the area with shovels or a plow. Just how much snow is coming in and will stay there afterwards, and that's going to figure in really big as we get along this story, Cam. Excuse me, sorry. Oh, uh, George Odding actually telephoned the lodge again on Wednesday morning. And again, his wife and her friends could still not be located, which is weird because they talked about them at breakfast. And at his insistence, the employees entered the women's rooms and found that the beds, bags, everything were untouched. A quick check of the park lot also showed that the Murphy station wagon hasn't been moved. And that's the moment that Adin is feeling, oh, fucky, fuck, fuck, fuck. Because he comprehended that his wife and her friends had now been missing without a trace for nearly two days. As soon as Adin broke off the call, he called Virgil W. Peterson, the operating director of Chicago Crime Commission, who then connected the state police. Oh, that sucks. This is back when they didn't they didn't have 911. Oh, they did they didn't have 911 yeah. back in those days? Well, it sounds like it if they had to call the operating director, oh, which means it's okay. Makes... Yeah. So well, that sucks. So he ended up having to be connected to the state police and other law enforcement agencies in the area. Wow. And within minutes, word of the missing woman had <clears throat> reached from LaSalle County Sheriff's Office. And Sheriff Ray UT began organizing search parties. He organized these to look for all of those women. And he accompanied one of the groups and left immediately for the park. Oof. So it got intense pretty quick. Yeah. Zero to 100, nigga, real quick. So anyway, Bill Danley, a reporter, was just clocking out for the day in his newsroom when he got a tip about the missing woman. On a hunch, he grabbed the camera and headed for the park. When Danley got there, he noticed several children gathering around, shouting that bodies had been found on one of the trails. Danley, who recognized the boys, approached them and they told him of the bodies. So which he called the lodge, they had already infested with law enforcement, and then called the newspaper to report report the discovery. Today, I can close my eyes and see the scene as clear as if I was standing there, Danley said 50 years later in an interview. It just takes your breath away. I'd never seen anything so ugly and gruesome. I remember standing there, he later went on to say, just looking at the bodies and wondering, what in hell are the chances they're going to be able to catch the guy that did this? And remember how we had talked about how the snow came the night before, that several inches of it covered up footprints? So blood stains, 
and other vital pieces of information around there was cold and bodies would be as relevant as Carmelo Anthony is to any team in the NBA right now. I'm sorry, Melo. <laughs> See, what confuses me, though, is the kids said they found the bodies on the trail, but they were missing for two days and the snow didn't come till nighttime. So mm-hmm. were they tortured before? What, like, the time frame? Yeah, little- I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's a lot of, and as we were talking about with the, with the lot, the people who work the lodge, like, they, it, it, it's just so, there's so much, uh, there's so much com- com- confusion around because you had the lodge who was telling the husband that, oh, they were, they were just having breakfast. But and they th- weren't there. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's just. Right now, like, we have, this is just a case that's riddled with so many questions, and it's only going to get even more worse as the story goes along. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's just, I have so many questions. But, anyways, Danley was among those who entered St. Louis Canyon. Oh, my God. I was just in St. Louis Canyon. And I believe this is one of the canyons that's kind of far off the beaten trail where not as Mm -hmm. many people go. So... Anyways, we should probably put up maps and stuff of when we post it on our page. We'll post it on our page to show where that shit's at. I'll send it to you. Oh, smooth. But, um, okay. So, anyway, sorry. Um, I just know this area so well. It just blows my mind that I didn't hear about these murders till after I went there a couple of weeks ago. So, um, anyways, like I was saying, Danley was among those who entered St. Louis Canyon and got the first look at the body. The three, they were on their backs, they were under a small ledge, and their lower clothing had been torn away, and their legs spread open. Each of them not only had been beaten savagely, but two of their bodies were tied together, and it was with like a heavy white twine. They were covered with blood, and their exposed legs were blackened with bruises. The state police detectives soon arrived and began a search of the immediate area. So again, this is 48 hours later. Except for the floor of the overhang where the bodies were found, the entire canyon was covered in nearly six inches of snow. The fine white powder had to be carefully removed as it was. And there were signs of a violent struggle. Excuse me. There were signs of a violent struggle that were revealed. So they had to keep every evidence they could find. Mrs. Murphy's camera was found about 10 feet from the victim's. Its leather case was smeared with blood and its strap was broken. They also found the woman's bloody binoculars. A short distance away, LaSalle County State's Attorney Harold Warren stumbled across a frozen tree limb. Hmm. And that tree limb was streaked with blood. And the snow beneath it was covered with blood as well. And it was realized that this was likely the murder weapon. So I wonder how big that fucking tree limb was. Oh my god. Because I would think it would break after a while. You'd think, and especially, like, weathering the conditions, like... But then again, once you think that shit would be sturdy, I mean, we talk about snow, and I guess it's gotta be freezing conditions, so that shit's gonna have to be, like, damn near iron, right? I mean, I guess it depends how it was days prior, because, like, ah. if it was 50 degrees days prior than 31 night, it's not gonna freeze right away. Mm-hmm. But... But if it's been cold, like, for a good week, then I could see that. Got you. Um, But what they also found by the murder weapon was a trail of gore that led them to speculate that women had been killed deeper in the canyon. And then their bodies had been dragged in position under the rock ledge, which is mean they wanted to be found. The bodies actually remained in place for hours until pathologists and state crime lab officials could arrive. Mm. The vigil lasted long into the night. And then, aided by lanterns and flashlights, the victims were finally removed on cloth stretchers. Mm. So, uh, uh, so while we're at it, um, shout out to American History Hauntings Inc. dot com and Chicago Tribune. Shut up, car! It's a car loud. It's happening in the hood. Uh, shout again! Shout out to American History Hauntings dot com and the Chicago Tribune for providing like all this information that you know we're dishing out. Uh, surprisingly, there isn't a lot of info around, and I say that because. Again, when this happened, this 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 didn't shock the Midwest. But as Arthur Steve Stout, who wrote a book about Star Rock in the 1980s, explained, it shocked the nation. This story was profiled everywhere. 
Because, again, this was one of the first times, really, that you had a triple murder of this gruesome magnitude in such a public area that was just designated a historic landmark that year. So, I mean, you talk about just bad press. Ugh. So the- well, two, it's three people that were murdered immediately, so it makes you wonder how many people murdered these women. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, if there were three of me that showed up in a canyon, like, it's going to take a lot for just one person with a tree limb to murder me because I'm I'm almost six foot and I'm pretty sturdy, and so I'm not going anywhere. Fuck, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, so uh, the bodies of the three women were taken to the host funeral home in Ottawa where they were examined and autopsy. The woman had been sexually assaulted, but the conditions outside and limitations of medical techniques at the time failed to find any evidence of rape. Remember, guys, this is 1960. So niggas from CSI ain't coming out there with the sunglasses, the blood spatter, and the DNA tech. And when you bring in the aforementioned show, show, snow, it's next to near impossible to give a more definitive explanation of what more these hell more, more hell these women endured. But even still, the doctors were able to determine the time of death, placing it shortly after they had enjoyed lunch at the lodge. So in other words, as soon as they got there, ballgame maggle, and no motive was suggested for the murders, and as the women had left their personal effects behind in their rooms, robbery was ruled out. And I find it interesting, too, that you stated <clears throat> that it was a, na- a, a national, nationwide um, thing. I yeah. find it funny, though, because I have we, we have a connection to the story. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about it is it was so nationwide, but they didn't connect the story to these two murders, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. Later on in the article, and I think also like um, my bad to cut you off. Like the open- oh, can we, you want rock paper scissors for it? Oh no, you go, you go, you okay. go. Okay, no, you keep going, keep talking. Oh, oh, and I think because I think as a society in this day and age, we're so ingrained. It's like the culture of like you know we're not just the only true crime podcast out there, and I guess because we see so much of these cases that has been just ingrained in the public mind that, you know, you see a triple murder, sad to say, it's just, you know, oh, triple murder. I mean, it's going to get press coverage, yeah, but, like, think about this. In 1960, you didn't have, you didn't have stories like this. You, this was, we were just only a few few years removed from Ed Gein, one of the the first known uh, public serial killers in American history. And the I other mean, ones are still out murdering people, yeah. so that's why you don't do we don't. Are we gonna? Do we have to do an episode about that? Even though it's not Illinois, like that. Oh, we'll get there. We got we'll we got there. season two coming we got out. Season you guys. two, yeah. Okay, let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves. But yeah, I mean, it's like that's just like one of, again. This is one of the first uh, murders of this kind of again magnitude, and I mean, it's going to send a shockwave. Yeah, and the last. The last known thing they had, I mean, granted, Chicago, what they're used to are mobs, gang mobs, um, crazy, bizarre stories like H.H. Holmes, not somewhere where you get away from the city for a nice, relaxing, safe getaway. So it's it's crazy just to just to hear about this. But like the Oakland Raiders without Khalil Mack, my man, boy, my boy, the investigation was going nowhere. And pretty much from the start, it seemed to go nowhere. Mm. There were a few, a few clues to follow, and a couple theories began to grow wilder and wilder. Things were further confused by all those who wanted to main, uh, maintain jurisdiction in the case. So that would cause a huge problem if everybody wants to claim this case. So State's Attorney Harlan Warren was technically in charge, but the state police maintained their authority in the case because the murders were committed on park property. The two law enforcement camps clashed, but Warren was in the was in a bind. He was forced to deal with state authorities because the officials in LaSalle County simply had no experience dealing with crimes of this manner. As the investigation slowly moved forward, fear was gripping the region. 
Doors that were never locked before were now firmly secured, especially in that area. That's an area where you don't lock your doors at night. Mm. Hardware stores experienced a run on new deadbolt or run on new deadbolts and sporting goods. Stores saw guns vanish from their cases at an alarming rate. The number of overnight guests at Starved Rock dropped off to almost nothing, and some motorists went miles out of their way to avoid driving near the canyon entrance and all. Newspapers and radio broadcasters around the state widely reported the slow progress of this investigation, and it definitely elevated the level of panic in the area. Mm. So, that said, like, the continued coverage in the press, especially in the newspapers, it really kept the pressure on police officials to really make some kind of progress. It's one of those, you have to either shit or get off the stool. But really, you need the shit right now because you need to make you got to make some kind of, you know, pro- progress to assure the public of, you know, to, to kind of quell those fears and, and that hysteria down. And especially this this kind of, you know, feeling is happening at Harlan Warren's county office. He was doing everything in his power to move the investigation forward. But he had a hard time coping with the pressure, especially during an election year. And money, oh yeah, money was becoming a problem as well because the investigation budget was soaring. Throughout 1960, he was under ever increasing pressure to solve the murders. Frustrated, he felt that he had taken enough criticism for the investigation. He was an attorney, not a detective, so he decided to take one last desperate run at the case. It's like fourth and twenty. He's he's doing his best, Aaron Rodgers. Throw it up, Hail Mary, hoping they'll draw a flag or Devontae Adams is going to catch that motherfucker. But he asked himself what the killer had left behind at the scene of the crime. And the obvious answer was the twine that he used to bind two of the victims. Now, using his own guap, Warren purchased a microscope and began intently conducting a study of the twine. Research had found that there was two kinds of twine used a 20-ply cord, and a 12-ply cord. With this information, he sought help to follow the lead, and instead of choosing someone from his staff, he had picked two county detectives who reports to him and just only him, and these two men were Bill Dummett and Wayne Hess. They were both, according uh, to American Haunting, Inc., uh, they were both trustworthy and intelligent and would not leak the details of what Warren was doing to the newspapers. It's unfortunate, though, that Warren wants to solve this case and politics gets involved. We're here. The point of police is to protect and serve, mm-hmm. to protect us. Politics shouldn't be involved right now when he wants to solve the murder. But mm-hmm. well, I think it's one of those things is that, and I guess from a uh, contrast, how politics can really affect like police investigations. Like we talked mm-hmm. about the Laquan McDonald case. It had just so mm-hmm. happened that that whole ordeal had happened before um upcoming mayoral ele- election. Again, we had said we had suggested what if that video had came out? What uh, Rahm Emanuel had survived a re-election. So I mean yeah. it's it's always that pressure of, okay, yeah. we got to do something because, you know, the people... Uh, Want more. Yeah, I mean, it's just the the timing is just the worst. Yeah. But anyways, the men... <clears throat> um, the men actually chose the most logical place to start um, the search for the source of the twine, which was actually Starved Rock's Lodge. In September 1960, Warren and his deputies met with the manager of the lodge's kitchen. And within minutes and without much difficulty, Warren found both kinds of wine used in the murder. They were, excuse me, sorry, I got a little cold, but they were each used for wrapping food and Dummett and Hess, food and Dummett and Hess, using lodge purchasing records, soon tracked down the twine's manufacturer. The twine used to bind the murder victims had been taken at the lodge without question from the supply in the lodge's kitchen. Just as Warren had always suspected, the killer either worked at or had access to the park's lodge. Mm. Faced, faced with the fact that all of the lodge employees had been given polygraph tests and had passed, Warren had now wonder if the tests had been accurate. He made a bold decision and decided it was time to run some of his own tests. 
He hired a specialist for, for a prominent Chicago for, firm. Warren recalled all the employees who had worked during the week of the murder. One by one, they came to a small cabin located near the lodge, and again, they submitted to an exam. The first dozen or so of the employees were quickly cleared, and Warren and the deputies wondered if they just might be wasting their time. But then, Bill Dummett brought in a former dishwasher named Chester Otto Wegger, and then everything changed. When Wagner's polygraph test was completed, Warren had noticed that the examiner's face had gone white pale, and as Wagner had left the cabin, the technician ended months of leads and wasted time. He turned to Warren, and the two deputies quietly said, this is your guy. And right there, ball game, angle. Now, Wegner, 21, was a slight, small man with a wife and two young children. He worked at the park until that summer when he resigned to go into business with his father as a house painter. Drummond had recalled that the man's name from an earlier police report, and we're going to talk about police reports down the road, guys, so stay tuned for that. So this is going to really figure big. But anyway, he had never made much of an impression on the investigators, despite those said police reports. Warren intensified, intensified the investigation of the man, and strangely, Wagner happily corroborated with him. He surrendered a piece of buckskin jacket of a buckskin jacket that he owned just so some suspicious dark stains on it could be examined. It later turned out to be human blood, but again, 1960. It couldn't be typed and matched to a specific victim. So Warren also asked Wagner to submit to further lie detector tests, and again, Wagner agreed. He was given a serious test and failed all of them. So I don't know if this guy just thought he was just, just going to fucking beat the test and going to game the system, but uh, some kind of uh, some kind of balls in this guy. Well, it looks like, too, especially if he played under the radar, people mm. probably didn't even look at him, like, when you hear about murders and, you know, the crazy stories of, oh, I never knew my neighbor had this torture chamber in the basement. He's always been so sweet. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm, do you really know them? Yeah. But back to the jacket. Um, once the jacket was determined to be stained with blood, human blood, Warren put the former dishwasher under constant surveillance by the state police. Uh, Warren, along with his two investigators, Dummett and along with Dummett, the da, 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 da. Warren, along with Dummett and Wegger, began. You wait. What was the other? Dummett oh. and Wegger. Oh no, Dummett. No, it was not. It was Dummett and Hess. Okay, okay. Typo. Sorry, guys. I was so confused. Um, we're not perfect. Yeah, but we're pretty close, though. Damn right. Um, <laughs> so Warren, along with his two detectives, Dummett and Hess, began checking into Wegger's past and also in similar crimes in the area, Mm-mm. which might have escalated into murder, which again, please hold on to this note of similar crimes in this area because they must have not looked too deep. Um, Dummett came across a case reported across a reported rape and robbery that took place about a mile from Starved Rock in 1959 with Warren's approval. He approached a young female with a victim stack of mug shots and she sorted as she slowly sorted through them, she began to scream as she came across the face of Chester Wegger. Should I tell my story now? That would be the perfect time. Yeah. You might as well just do it. Yeah. Now, uh, related to this story, um, Wegger could have had four victims instead of three. And as Birdman has been saying throughout the entire story, um, there has been no concrete evidence say because it's the 1960s however i have a colleague of mine who actually had a grandmother and his dad um along with another lady and her child they were coincidentally attacked by someone in uh Methison park which is the one right next to star park mm-hmm. um and they were attacked in 1959 so a year before the murders took place luckily though um, his grandmother and the women, they fought off this dude because they were hitting him with her, their purses. And they actually reported it, but at the time, nothing happened. Mm-hmm. And, then the, and then the murders occurred a year later. 
several months later, the investigators actually came to talk to his grandmother and he showed her a lineup of a bunch of people who um, they thought the guy was. They asked, you know, who the guy was that attacked them. And as soon as that lineup went out, she picked a wagger and mm. she was positive that's the guy who attacked her back then. They did the same with another unsolved assault rape case that you were talking about. Um, so it was really easy for them to build a case around it. And what he was saying was, um, he, he, my colleague stated his grandmother always believed it was Wagner, but didn't know about whether or not he had anything to do with the murders. Um, but back when he was working for the Innocent Project at UIS, they gave him the case to poke around. Mm -hmm. So he had all sorts of files and pics and whatever to look at, but. Apparently, he stated that the photo lineup they showed his grandmother and other people who experienced attacks were kind of sort of manipulated. Mm -hmm. So in the sense of they had a 20-year-old photo of Weger, but then every other photo was people who were like 50 to 60-ish years old. So it kind of sort of coursed them into letting them feel that they picked the real perp. So... Kind of a confusion, but at the same time, I don't know. Um, anyhow, that's a cool little story we had of somebody who had a fun story about it. So from what it sounds like is, Wagner could have had four or five. Doug, stop looking at my thing. Sorry, my dog is looking at my phone right now. Oh, I love you, Doug. Do you see his nose right now? Yeah, I see it. <laughs> oh, I, I should just take a picture of this. But, like, like he is just, oh, this this, this my little, my, this my nephew, Doug. Out here, styling and profiling. Ooh, looking at nose. Ooh, I'm gonna get you rapey. So I'm gonna start a different it's just episode. But anyway, <laughs> it 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 attempted these murder murders such as previously to practice to get away with it. Did he? Did he? Was he the culprit? We we don't know one hundred percent. I I'm convinced it is. Mm -hmm. Um. <clears throat> Back, back to the rape case that um, was mentioned in my colleague's story and the story we were talking about. <clears throat> the woman <po> sorry, Doug's getting away again. Um, the woman again positively identified Chester Weger. Um, Warren had, could have easily ordered Weger arrested, but he was forced to wait. A new problem uh, had reared in his ugly, ugly little head. With all of the time and energy involved in the investigation, Warren had worked very little on his entire campaign for re-election. If he booked Wagner on rape and murder charges before the election, defense attorneys would simply say that he had done so as a stunt to retain his job. So he, he left Wagner under surveillance, not really wanting to jeopardize the case against him with this election. And... Confident of his record of cleaning, gambling, prostitution out of Lesvale County during his eight years in office, Warren was let. <clears throat> excuse me. Warren was let. His past actions speak for themselves. Unfortunately, his opponent let the bungling of Star Rock murder case speak for him. Out of the sixty thousand votes cast in the election, Warren lost by merely thirty-five hundred. So, so even though he took the L in the election, Warren still had time in office to pursue the case against Wagner. So he's really going against the clock. So, again, the evidence was not as strong as he would have liked. He obtained an arrest warrant against Wagner for the 1959 rape and ordered the two deputies to pick Wagner up. He believed that when he saw all the evidence mounting against him, Wegger would confess to the crime and to the Starved Rock murders. Now, Warren had made careful plans with his two deputies about how to interrogate Wegger before confronting him with murder charges. A short time later, Hess and Dummett arrived at uh, Wegger's apartment and explained that they had more questions for him. They made no mention of their arrest warrants and whatever was waiting at the courthouse. When they had him in custody, the officers began to question him about the rape and also began to press him about the murders. They kept him in an interrogation room until past midnight. And then finally, weary of questions and nearly exhausted, Wecker stopped in mid-sentence and asked to see his family. A police car was dispatched to his parents' home in nearby Oglesby, and his mother and father were brought to the courthouse. 
Dumbin and Hess gave him a few minutes alone with their son, and right after that, in his official statement, which was taken the next day, Deputy Hess stated, quote-unquote, when Bill stepped out of the back room in the state's attorney's office to show Mr. and Mrs. Wegman to the door so they can come home, I could see that something was bothering Chester. I said, Chester, why don't you tell me about it? There are about two of us just here. Just tell me about it. He would go on and say, all right, I did it. I got scared. I tried to grab their pocketbook. They fought, and I hit him. The pocketbook that Wegman claimed that he tried to take was actually Mrs. Murphy's camera. Interesting. And minutes later, the confession was transcribed and signed by Weger. During the confession, when he was asked why he had dragged the bodies under the overhang in St. Louis County, Weger said that he spotted a small airplane flying low over the park. Weger said that he was afraid that it was a state police plane, so he moved the bodies so they could not be seen from above. A few days later, the flight over the park was confirmed by the pilot's testimony and logbook. <clears throat> but Weger confessed several more times to the murders over the next few days, mm. and even reenacted the killings for a crowd of policemen and reporters at the canyon. And then suddenly, after his first meeting with his court-appointed attorney, Weger changed his story and stated that he was innocent of all charges. Weger actually claimed that Dummett and Hess had coerced the confession from him by threatening him with a gun. He had lied in his confession, but he had been so scared that he signed the papers anyway. Weger also said that Dummett had fed him the information about the airplane. He claimed to be in Oglesby at the time of the killings, which is a stupid theory of an airplane seen below of you murdering people because Starved Rock is full of trees mm-hmm. yeah and you're in all you're, you're, in the, you're in the middle of a damn near blizzard i don't think that any planes <clears throat> are going to be flying around around that time so i mean it's not really a plausible explanation it just seems just you know just half-assed and it's out there just to save your own skin but nevertheless mm-hmm. wagner's trial began on january 20th 1961 New State's Attorney Robert Richardson was in charge of the prosecution and was uh, assisted by Anthony Rakugla. The trial, which gained national attention, was presided over Judge Leonard Hoffman, and because the two prosecutors had never tried a murder case before, he suggested that Harlan Warren be named as a special prosecutor for this case only. Uh, The reason uh, for this was that in the event of a trial, a mistrial, or an acquittal, they can still file charges against them for the other killings. And um, Richardson had strongly criticized Warren during the election. I mean, of course, it's going against me. Trump wants his fucking spot. He had tried to dismiss that idea. And to that end, Richardson and Rakugla decided to file charges against Weger uh, for only one of the three murders. And they dissolved the death penalty in the case. And on March 4th, Almost exactly a year after the murders, the jury brought back a guilty verdict for Chester Wegner. On the day of just his 22nd birthday, he was sentenced to a term of life imprisonment. Judge Hoffman dismissed his jurors. Reporters asked him if they knew that a life sentence in Illinois meant that Wegner would be eligible for parole in a few years. And oh, we're going to be talking about parole in a bit. And most of the jurors were shocked because they had no fucking idea and some of them even said that had they known that Wegner was not going to be really sent away for the rest of his life they would have voted for the electric chair oh yeah and I find it funny too because back to the story I think he did I think he confessed to his father and said he did it Mm -hmm. I think he lied and said he got I think he got scared but I don't think he tried to grab their pocketbook. I think he was following them and wanted to do it. Right. To get the feeling of it. Not because he was scared. Not because he panicked. If you take someone's pocketbook or try to run away. But. It was just a lot of aggression. And yeah. The, and like just just the, the, the brutality that was described. Uh, all the injuries and, and that the women yeah. had suffered. I mean, that's. It's not a random event, you know. I mean, it was a chance was encounter that he, he ran into him, but, like, it wasn't like, oh, I was scared. Like, you, that, that was some intent 
Okay. Yeah. The women, the women were probably randomly chosen, mm-hmm. but the hatred towards women was a whole nother level. Yeah. It was a whole nother level level, but, um, Oh, he's, he was incarcerated. Okay, so sorry, I'm reading ahead. But Chester Weiger was actually incarcerated at the Statesville Penitentiary in Joliet and remains in prison today at Illinois River Correctional Center in Canton, which is fun because Statesville is like one of the scariest prisons in Illinois for Halloween, so that's cool. Yeah. Um, but anyways, Weiger has been asked or has asked for a parole two dozen times since 1972, and all of those times he's been denied. And majority of the people feel that he belongs securely behind bars. However, mm-hmm. in the minds of some people, there are always questions about the case that remain unanswered. Many feel that the evidence we used to convict him would not really stand up in court today. His pro- which is funny because Brandon Dassey fucking said he murdered someone with no evidence and mm-hmm. is sitting in court. So maybe it would stand up. But anyways, his prosecution largely turned out to be based on his confession, which was predated Miranda warnings that are requ- required today. Which he was in the wasn't he in the the police though department already? I believe so. Yeah. Oh well, then I feel like he's passed. I don't know. Depends, I guess. If I feel like if you're in the police department, they can record you and do whatever fuck they want. Yeah, I mean, not in 1960. I mean, they didn't have that shit then. Yeah. But um, back to the Miranda warnings um, that are required today. Other individuals actually questioned how a small, slight man like Weger could have overpowered three middle-aged women and then moved their bodies by himself to leave them hidden under the rock and overhang. Well, I'll, let me okay. Let me try to decipher or kind of dissect the first part of what you said. Is like now we 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 had mentioned that okay the the deputies. And the original state prosecutor, they're on the clock. They know they're 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 on borrowed time, so they need to have a arrest in the worst kind of way. So, I mean, who knows what was said in that interrogation? Um, we have seen in a lot of cases um, in in the past where you have had coerced uh, confessions of that nature. And again, this is like the public is uh, is really wanting something to happen. And this guy knowing that, okay, if I don't get this guy, I'm going to be all out of office in only a matter of a few weeks. We, who knows if we're going to ever solve this case. So, I mean, you have to, I, I will feel that it's only fair to kind of take that into account. And then that said, I mean, Weger is, a, is described as a small, slight man. And how could he have overpowered three middle-aged women? Well, it's kind of easy when you have a weapon, a twine. So, I mean, it, 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 again, it's so hard when you don't, it's, it's 19 and 1960, you don't have DNA. And who knows if the weapon, if it was something frozen in the footprints, like, it's just... When you have those elements taking away that kind of evidence, it makes it that much harder to decipher what really happened and how it really happened. So I mean, it, it leaves a lot to it, it, it leaves a lot to debate to this day, even. And others who, who, who that said who believe in Wagner's innocence reference a deathbed confession that allegedly occurred in either 1982 or 1983. Mark Gibson, a Chicago police sergeant at the time, submitted an affidavit in 2006 that recounted the confession. It was being used in court to support a motion for new DNA tests in the Star of Rock murder case. In the affidavit, Gibson stated that he and his partner were called to the Rush St. Luke's Presbyterian Hospital to see a terminally ill patient who said he wanted to clear her conscience. The affidavit said the woman was lying in a hospital bed. I went over toward her and she grabbed a hold of my hand. She indicated that when she was younger, she had been with her friends at a state park when something had happened. The woman then told Gibson that she was in the park and Utica and things got out of hand. Multiple victims were killed and they dragged the bodies. Oh. That's terrifying. Gibson then said the woman's daughters cut the interview short, shouting that their mother was out of her mind. 
and they ordered the police from the room. In the affidavit, Gibson did not provide the exact date of the interview or the woman's name, but he said uh, he passed the information along to the detective. The affidavit did not address whether or not there were any follow-up or why the confession was not presented until 2006. The alleged confession was not allowed into court hearings either, although new DNA test orders were. However, they failed to clear Wenger of anything because the samples had been corrupted over the years. After these attempts for release failed, a clemency petition was sent to Governor Rod Blagojevich. Fellow prisoner, Rod Blagojevich. No, he's a good <laughs> guy. But oh, I love that hair, though. Did you see that picture of him? Like it's all gray and it just looks like it's like Zeus and Hercules. Like that hair just looks so fucking magnificent. But like, I bet you it's like Trump's in the wind. It's gonna go. It's gonna fly right off him. Oh no, not that hair. Trump is just like oh, that's just barely. It's got life or something. Homer Simpson hair. To this day, Chester Weiger continues to claim that he was framed for the murders by deputies Emmett and Hess. But both of the deputies, until their dying day, insisted Weiger had confessed. So, here's the crazy thing, guys. Um, that was originally our notes for the episode. And we had originally planned to do this episode uh, sometime earlier last month. And, I mean, unforeseen circumstances got in the way. But... We were trying to, you know, in the last couple of weeks or so, you know, we're trying to, you know, get a date together to, to do this. And crazy as it sounds, just last week, Chester Wagner was up for parole again. And get this, he was just one vote, one fucking vote from getting paroled. Uh, out of 14 people, it was a seven to seven decision. Meaning that Chester Wecker had to say his old wrinkly ass in prison. And now he is, I believe, as of this recording, uh, either the third longest serving inmate in Illinois. So get this. He almost got out of prison. Mm-mm. And it's unfortunate because he constantly goes up for parole. Yeah. They state the evidence that happened. But then they'll pull some bullshit like, oh, I'm a changed man. It's mm-hmm. not true. Well, clearly, I wish the one person fucking didn't cut the, uh, I wish they didn't cut the interview short. I want to know what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and that's just, I mean, yeah, that, that story, like, uh, uh wow. It's I, an interesting, because it's true. If he's as scrawny, I mean, the pictures that we are looking at, he doesn't look too scrawny. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's I'm still confused. It's hard to beat if these three middle aged women were I mean, but then again Who knows? They could have probably type. been paralyzed in fear. I mean, to see something traumatic as a friend, you know, being assaulted, being beaten to death. I mean and they're and they're up against the snow, so it's not like okay, they can really go I mean, they might just have to be shocked. I don't know how I'm going to react if Say, well, I'm my black ass is gonna run, but I mean, <laughs> it's you're 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 in a lodge, you're in a secluded area. You get you have elements. We it's 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 very easy to be hindsight twenty twenty. Say, well, what's this is what I would have done, but we don't know. We were not there, and I mean, it makes it so hard that the the DNA or whatever was recovered. I mean, you just don't have that definitive explanation of what happened, well, and it leads it to what, what kind of confuses me, because I totally agree with you, because we don't have the correct answers, right. by any means, and especially, too, because it was so long ago, but <clears throat> I guess just the way they talk about it, and again, I'm there all the time, so like I, I know these areas pretty, mm-hmm. pretty well, and I don't know how it was back then, if it's anything like today, it's a very, very crowded area. Um, but the visitor center where the lodges and everything is so far away from where St. Louis Canyon is. I'm trying to pull it up real fast. Mm-hmm. Let me see. It's just, hold on. Uh, it's just 
there's areas, there's a main area, you know, like Wildcat Canyon where everybody goes to and everybody walks down. And then you go all the way down the river bend. Mm-hmm. Like two miles, two or three miles off the bean path. There's like one path there, which means, and, it, and the path is very small. So it has to be kind of a single person. So t- somebody can go by the other way, which means somebody was following them. Right. So I'm really hoping I can't find where freaking because there's Lover's Leap, there's the Eagle Beehive. I think I think it's where it was. Um, and then if you look at the map, we'll show the map. Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Um, but yeah, St. Louis Canyon is n- not where you look immediately. Where they probably went um, if they went through the lodge. They mm-hmm. went through the main uh, the main entrance where everybody, a lot of people go, and then they fucking went down yonder. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is really one of those, when I first saw it, uh, when I first read about this case, it was kind of, it had one of those feels of like on Unsolved Mysteries when you have one of those unexplained deaths or you have those final appeals. It's like, it's so much ambiguity ambiguity there we go that um and especially i have to take into account like when you, the story that you like you just said about the personal of the story as you said like who knows this guy and he failed uh, let's get take i'll also take into account this guy failed multiple fucking tests and he had more than uh, circumstantial evidence that was there um it it really you know i don't know if he did it or not I'm well, you know towards... what's funny, though? Because the St. Louis Canyon is literally the last canyon before you get to the Matheson State Park. Mm. So, I think that's why I think it's him. Again, I don't know how I didn't see the photos, but you know what I I think it was definitely somebody who worked there. Um, mm. And Granted, I don't know how in-depth they look after they realized he wasn't doing well on the polygraphs. Like, I don't know if he found other people. Um, but there's far too many coincidences. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that said, um, guys, when we'll uh, hopefully just, you know, you guys leave it up to you. You know, this the Chester Wagner uh, murder these three women in Star Rock. Um, yeah. Leave it up to you guys. And... Wow. I do advise, though, you guys should go to Starved Rock if you're in Illinois. Do they, do they have, like, a if memorial? You like to hike? What? Do they have, like, a memorial there? Um, for the murdered yeah. women? Um, honestly, I have no idea. I would think so. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never actually really gone in that direction. Mm. And I've never actually, I mean, they have things all over the place, memorials all over, um, but they're more towards the Native Americans and the ah, early settlers. There you go. I mean, not I mean, obviously the more, but they're like all the Native yeah. Americans. But like, yeah, uh, you know, I'm gonna have to fucking look now next time I go. Gotcha, gotcha. But man, we have been. I was hoping we we're gonna be 45 minutes, but we have been over the hour mark. So this is like Damn. one of the longest episodes we've done. I know we had to make up for lost time, man. I- <laughs> like I've been up since four in the morning and like no no naps necessary. Like I, oh my god, I'm running on fumes. But like man, is it feel? You know, this has been a couple rough couple of weeks for us, and damn, this feels good to be back with you. You know, doing this. We are just exploding with just thoughts. And yeah, I it's, mean, it's it's crazy. We got a lot of shit. I hope you guys have stories. And if you have any pictures from Steve. Starved rocks. Send them to us because it's a beautiful place. Yeah, I love to hike. Birdman doesn't. Birdman doesn't hike, but I do. Oh, no, I hiked once. I hiked uh, Washington Park. Uh, I did. Hiked? Do you mean walked around? Yeah, it? I walked around. Yeah, and I was like, huh, never again. <laughs> Why do people sweat for fun? Yeah. <laughs> um. Before um we we head out, we gotta uh. Hit us up, hit hit us with, uh, hit them with the good old social media credentials. All right, my homie G units, whoever are listening to us out there. Um, it'll be hard for you to find me on Facebook, so 
if you want to find me, you can go through our page where we respond to. It's Illinois with Burning Cam. Um, you can also find us on Instagram, um, Illinois at Illinois Podcast, and then Illinois with Burning Cam. Um, send us your stories. Send us info. Send us. Tell us you hate us. Review us. Let yeah. us know what's going on. Like us. Share us. Um, I am Instacam630 on Instagram. And I am I like stuff 360 on Twitter. So I hope to have you guys follow me. Yeah, and you can follow me on bird underscore your underscore enthusiasm. That is bird your enthusiasm. No, one M, not an S. Fuck it. Anyway, you can find me on Facebook on Birdman Iceberg. And again, you can find us on Facebook, uh, Facebook and IG with our shared podcast, Killinois with Bird and Cam. And until next week, whenever that case may be, we will catch your asses down the road. And for Cam, this is Bird signing out saying, be there or be Or be killed, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Man, oh my god, it's almost 11 o'clock. Fuck. Fuck, we are...